Okay, because yeah. it had that it had that empanada color, yeah, and I yeah. saw <laughs> and I saw it was like cracking like it was the dough, and I was like, "You serious right now?" Yo, the word empanada sent electricity through my veins. Y'all look like y'all 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 ready to reach through the screen and fight me, like. <laughs> Welcome back to another episode of Nerds of the Rounds, guys. I'm your host, Sebastian. It's your boy, Law. And your boy, Tone, from across the hall. And tonight, we have a great creator series. Returning, we have Johnny C. What's going on? Today, so, we have Sean Garrity. Thank you guys for coming. The director, yes. Sean Garrity. You got to put some yeah, we, respect. We, we have it. Yeah, no, we're about to put the Writer, respect on if you guys director, put more respect in. on this yeah. man's name. Damn. Getting on me already. So... Reason why we have these two wonderful gentlemen here, Johnny C and Sean Garrity, is because we just saw the movie Vibration. You guys are gonna get to see the episode later where we do the whole first of sitting down, watching the movie, and talking about everything about the movie, find out more stuff behind the scenes. You can see the movie on Amazon, it is there on Amazon Prime, so put your Prime membership to use. Go see that horror movie. And then um, again, we will have the episode on Beyond Mag and the Nerds around YouTube. So Sean, Johnny, thank you guys for coming. How you guys been? Thank you for having good, us. Good. Yeah, thank you very much for having us. Excited to have you guys on. <laughs> Excited to talk about, uh, you know, your background, your history, uh, you know, and what got you guys into, into filmmaking. Because yeah, we, we got a, a lot from Johnny in regards to his love of comics and, and, and nerdum, but like the filmmaking was like, a, hey, how's it going? I, I just casually do filmmaking. Like, hey, like, I, hey, I do that too. Like, <laughs> Johnny, you got to start like just front load everything. Yeah. So, um, I mean, I, I've, I've mentioned before in the previous podcast that I did uh, have kind of a, a, a creative spirit and I uh, initially did start uh, learning to write by uh, writing screenplays and scripts and things of that nature. And um, I paired up with Sean, you know, I'm good friends with Sean here. And uh, he's in a very awesome band called Vulgarity with two R's. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was lucky enough with my uh, other good friend, Joe Nasta, to film a couple of music videos with them, uh, which you can find on YouTube. Uh, and, um, you know, it was kind of like we had the, we saw that, you know, not only were we all good friends, but we also kind of all gelled together very well on a kind of like a film set. And uh, it kind of grew from there. Sean, um, because we know Johnny's love for creating and everything, being in comic books, being in writing, um, filmmaking, and just making awesome comp um, coffee. What made you want to become a filmmaker? What got you into filmmaking? Some of my earliest memories as a kid were just like going to acting camp and like doing, I was just really into acting. Like I sucked at sports. So like that was my the thing that I did. I was in every like high school production that my high school did. Um, uh, like I, I always got good roles and, and enjoyed doing it more than anything else. And uh, so it, it, and I was a musician too. Like I, I've been playing. Which came music. first? I was like, what? What's that? Which came first? Was it music or was it acting? Uh, they were both around the same time. I started playing guitar when I was eleven, and I started doing acting probably around the same time. Okay. So, um, so those have always been my two big passions. And uh, like, you know, I've always been like in bands and playing music and stuff. And, and the acting part of it was just like in high, after high school, like, what do you do if you don't go to like LA and stuff or New York? Like, so that kind of like died 
for me. But at the same time, in the back of my head, I always had this like um, drive to want to make a feature film. And it kind of manifested itself in music videos, like Johnny was saying earlier, we worked on some of those together. We did some web series um, and we, we did some like uh, some other projects together. But I constantly through all of that, I uh, wrote screenplays and kind of pitched it to Johnny and our other group of friends. And and uh, they didn't really take on the first few of those. And then uh, the one for vibration they all kind of agreed the things just kind of fell into place. Like we all kind of like, we're like, yeah, let's do this. And that's how it kind of came about. I was very hesitant throughout a lot of the process. Cause I, I didn't want to, we also, one of the projects we did was five high street, which was a failed film uh, pilot. We were trying to film and just like, we couldn't pull it together. And, um, and after that, I was sort of, you know, a little bit discouraged with the film, production process and things like that and I started focusing more on comics and writing and things of that nature but um I said if I was going to go back to it if I was going to do anything I really wanted to really connect with the story and and I kind of made that a credo in everything I did is that you know I really have to connect with the project I can't just take something on and jump on it and you know and just work on whatever I really have to have you know believe in it and have faith in it and, and love the you know the project has every project has to be a passion project otherwise it's not one of mine you know what I mean yeah. so um and then and that's I felt that with this project so that's why I decided to come back on and I was gung-ho with it and it was a good excuse to work with Sean and Joe again and Julie uh and Phil too who uh, are all just wonderful people and all these wonderful actors I got a chance to work with too. Is your writing process the same for writing your like songs and your scripts? No, uh, for, for songs, basically the, the, the writing process has always been uh, my sister Tracy and I, who are in the, the band together, mm. we just write a bunch of music, just no lyrics, no words or anything like that. We just record like music and music and music and, and just, uh, when we finally get sick of doing that, we'll just stop and listen to everything we've recorded and separately write lyrics for it and then bring that back together. And, uh, and that's how we come up with our albums and songs and all that kind of stuff. So that's our, we, we've kind of like been doing that since we started the band in like 2008 and it's just kind of worked script wise. I don't know. I, I read a, and I read a lot of horror novels i watch a lot of horror movies uh and they all just influence my writing and, and everything like that like i mean huge dean Koontz, stephen king yes uh, you know that, no one ever mentions dean Koontz. like he's so good he is yeah i love him um but that they're, they're such great storytellers that you like you can't you can't deny that so and then obviously all the classic horror movies like the nightmare on elm street the, the friday the 13th all that kind of stuff uh has has been a huge part of my childhood and worked its way into my writing and, and stuff like that so it, it's you know just a combination of all those things does your writing have to scare you like does it have to give you a sense of like <laughs> oh man like that makes me feel uncomfortable even like reading it back to myself i i haven't had that experience with uh scripts I, I i know that a song is good if it if i listen back to it and it gives me the chills mm. so that's that's my uh measuring stick with with music mm. i don't really have one for for film because i haven't done enough of it yet i don't think 
because okay. I, you know, this is the this is the first film that that I've the first feature film I've worked on, so it, I, I I don't think I've done enough to to have a measuring stick for that yet, um, and I I will say too, the, the as far as the uh, the idea for vibration, um, I had a, I'm a like a music instructor and I had a student who was a model and an actress, and she was looking for a project to do, and I was really like wanting to do a feature film so i said to her like you're you want to do a project i want to do a project if i write uh, a script with a lead with you in mind for the lead would you do it and she said yes 100 percent. i'll absolutely do it and then i wrote vibration and sent it to her and she's like yeah i'm going to college next month so i'm not going to do it <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> but Things just worked out, and uh, that was the original casting that I had for for the lead in Vibration. And then we did, um, you know, we we ended up recasting that role several times, and it ended up working out great. So I don't have any regrets about that. I'm glad it worked out the way it did. You know, uh, one of the things that bonded me and Sean and our group of friends uh, generally was like horror, like horror movies and horror themes. The first time I ever met Sean, um, they opened up for the Misfits on my birthday. So like it was Kismet. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so like horror was definitely like, a, and I think we even said when we were filming um, Five High Street was that if we ever did a feature film, it would probably be a horror, a horror movie. And here we are. Nice. Yes. So tell me some of the ups and downs that you guys ran into during production. Uh, there's a lot of downs. <laughs> uh, downpours being one of them. Uh, so there was a lot of a lot of outdoor shoots, overnight outdoor shoots, um, and obviously when you're when you're shooting overnight, uh, as time goes on, like everyone gets more tired and more cranky, and like you you really are at a rush to get everything done, at, like as as the night progresses. And there were a couple of nights where we had to stop filming because of rain. Uh, and that just prolonged everything. Like everyone was waiting inside for it to stop raining. And then it stopped raining and we go outside and film. And then before you know it, it's like 530 in the morning and everyone is ready to kill each other. So um, that was one of the downfalls. Um, one of the... Uh, okay, I'll, I'll have to throw in something positive now since I just gave a, a negative. <laughs> I was just saying, I have a positive one too uh, to follow up on that. All right, I'll, I'll let you do yours first. <laughs> so one of the so there be moments in these like overnight like shoots, um, and more specifically, uh, this was over the summer of 2017, and uh, at that time Mars was visible, very visible in the sky. So uh, it was 3 a.m. and it was a very clear night. And I think we were waiting for like a makeup touch-up job. So it was like one of those moments on a film set where it's like, hurry up and wait. So people were standing around trying to make the best of it. And I think, I can't remember, but I remember looking up and going, wow, you can really see Mars. And I'm like, That's this is awesome. one of those moments where like, if I wasn't on a film set, like, yeah. you know, like out in the middle of a field somewhere doing something like this, I'd be in bed missing like this little slice of wonder. So like I look upon that and I'm like, wow, we had these moments of appreciation. Um, you know, I was able to look at the sky and see like, you know, a, a planet clear. And I wouldn't have been able to done that if I wasn't on a film set. You've been asleep. <laughs> right. 
Yeah. Yeah, I, I think everyone kind of felt similarly where, you know, there was a lot of uh, a lot of tension at some points where, you know, because we were shooting overnight and because there were, even the day shoots were 12, 13, 14 hours, uh, there was, there was tension. But at the same time, there was uh, a lot of camaraderie between the people on set uh, because I, I think maybe even more so than a, than a big budget film because everyone was doing it because they wanted to. No one was doing it for the money because there was hardly any money involved. Uh, and it, it, people were there because they wanted to be there and they were genuinely happy to be part of something. Uh, and that just made it all worthwhile for me anyway and I think for everyone else too. The, the uh, high school shoot brought me back to high school, which was nice. <laughs> like I did a little time traveling that day personally, you know. And yeah. just kind of like walking halls of a high school and, you know, filming these kids like being bullies and doing whatever. It was like, this just brings me back. We, yeah, we yeah. really lucked out with that high school scene. So when we like got permission to shoot at the high school, the superintendent of that high school uh, was cool and, and just was like, yeah, you guys can come and use the the, um, the space. Do you need uh, extras for, for, the, for any of your shoots? I was like, yeah, we need a lot of extras. So <laughs> he, he reached out. He like I, I sent him in this email, and he forwarded it to every high school kid in the high school. And like half the high school showed up for the the, the day that we shot. Oh, it's <laughs> uh, awesome! That's so, so uh, the shot that we see when with the drone and the car pulling up. Okay, yeah, cool. yeah. The majority of those kids are are kids that went to that high school and just showed up because they wanted to be in a movie. Nice. Yeah, that's that's definitely gonna get in the minds of the kids. Yeah, I know I would have show. I know I would have showed up if if that happened to us when we were in high school. You want to be in a movie and be an extra and like just point yourself out? Yes. Say less. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, it was like, and, and I remember uh, Julie, the the DP on on set, saying like, "You really? How did you get all these extras to to show up?" I was like. Well, I, I explained it to her, and she's like, "This is like a dream come true for like shoot for someone behind the camera, like just yeah. having that many people that you can direct and like do stuff with, like it was it was awesome." I, I filmed a short with Jules, uh, who's the DP uh, in New York, and just watching her go through the process of trying to find extras at the time, it was just so like, and you know, like such a process, and uh, her the look of amazement on her face at this this. <laughs> You know, turn night, out of night and day. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's just like her jaw hit the floor, and that's it was priceless. The Nerds of the Round is brought to you by Enbion. Make sure to use the code Get Nerdy with it to get ten percent off merchandise and services such as web hosting, printing, and more at Enbion.com. So, what was the casting process like then when it came down to getting the cast members and everything for the film? What was the yeah. casting process? Yeah. Was it cast a wide net and pray someone hits and takes a bite? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, so we we put the um, we we put a, a, a classified ad on on uh, NewEnglandFilm.com and got a, a significant amount of hits from that, and people sent in like demo reels and and. Um, you know, some read-throughs of some parts in the, in the script. And that's where we got the majority of the, of the actors in the film. Um, th so that was the main point. And then, like I mentioned, we, we recast the, the lead role of Alexis several times. And we ended up going with Abby, who is, uh, 
She, I've known Abby for years. She's a, I, I uh, am a music teacher, like I mentioned, and she's, she's one of my students. So she's a really talented uh, singer and bass player and piano player. Like she's just a multi-talented uh, musician. And I, I approached her, her dad actually, because she was like, she was 15 at the time. So I approached her dad and asked if she'd be interested in, in doing the film. And uh, they, it's funny, they came into my office, the, the Abby and her dad, and Abby had like this list of questions to ask me, like, what's the pay? Like, what's the day? <laughs> what's, the, what's the deal? Do I have to get naked at all? I'm like, no, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not a creep. You're not going to get naked. There's no sex scene. There's We're not filming there. cuties for Netflix, okay? Yeah, no. <laughs> oh, my God. So I, after I laid down like all the, all the details for both of them, uh, they were like really psyched to do it. And it, it's funny, Abby and her dad like brought her to, because she couldn't drive obviously, even though she does in the film, uh, she couldn't drive. So her dad brought her to every shot, uh, every shoot, stayed, even if it was overnight, stayed with her the whole time. Uh, her mom brought her sometimes too, but they were like so supportive of her doing this because she's, you know, she's has a background in theater and that's her passion. So they were happy to, to have her involved in something like that and, and, to, you know, give their time to do it. Her, her dad awesome. so dedicated, yes. so supportive, uh, lots of conversations with that guy on set and he's just, he's fantastic. He's a great guy. Yeah. And then, uh, so with casting for, with New England, was that the only resource that you guys had or was it more so, you know, going back and giving back to the community and looking for local actors to kind of involve them with the production? Uh, the, I'm trying to think if there, the, that was the, the only, besides the, the people that I knew previously, uh, newenglandfilm.com was the only uh, resource that we used for, uh, for, for all the actors. Which I think also cast a certain great net because you got a lot of different ranges. You had Paul Noonan, who's got a very you know, rich resume, who's very proactive. And then you had individuals like um, uh, Brian Fernandez, who uh, this was just like one of his first outings. And uh, both are naturals, you know what I mean? And we were able to, we, we were lucky enough to capture them both in this. Nice. And, and, you know, I know I think I think Sebastian had talked about it in the movie about building building that network. Do you know if a lot of the younger actors are still in touch with some of the older, more seasoned actors that they, you know, that they worked with just more for tips and, you know, how to you know move forward in, in the business? I think so. I, I see like a lot of them interact with each other on Facebook and stuff still like to this day. So I, I think there's definitely some relationships that were built on on the set and that have you know, continue to, to blossom uh, up until today. Was there any notion, like, you guys had a lot of meetings before, you know, day one of shooting and filming. Like, was there any notion, like, that immediately got changed when you stepped on set and were like, oh, this is not how we planned. And this is not, this is like nowhere near how we, how we pictured it. Yeah, pretty much everything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, like I like going onto the set. I had like visions of how everything was gonna like look and go and everything in my mind, and the majority of that did not play out how I envisioned it because of you know like like restraints that that come up like time mostly time constraints. That was the biggest thing. Like, and then 
some of it was like practical restraints, like, like the, the MRI machine thing, like, like reaching out to, to people I knew that worked at hospitals and like just anything, anybody that I could possibly think of to, to be like, can I use an MRI machine in a film? The answer was no. So, uh, so we had to, you know, make do with, with other ways of, of getting that scene across. Um, and that's, you know, we, we did what we could do with our budget and and time constraints. And it's, uh, it's not, the way I envisioned it, but it's, it's, it has its own charm for the amount of, uh, that we spent on it. Right. That's kind of like what you wager when you're in a scene and have to be creative, uh, on the fly, you know, it's like, what can you afford time, you know, quality or, um, you know, uh, creative integrity. Like there's, you know, you have to weigh every option. You have to go with the one that's the most economical. And that's where, you know, Mm -hmm. sometimes hard decisions are made or sometimes uh, compromises have to be made. You know what I mean? So, um, you know, that's one thing you kind of have to learn on a set of a film uh, when you're doing it independently like this. And I'm sure in bigger productions as well is that, uh, you know, you have to be able to flow with the production you know, you can't fight in the process. You really have mm. to flow with things. I mean, there's times where it's clear cut, right and wrong, but, um, you know, you really have to flow with things. So what was some of the equipment that you guys got your hands on that you got to use for the film? Because we know we got drones in the film. So what was some of the equipment yeah, that you guys you gotta, got to play with? For for a ragtag team, like you guys had a shoestring budget, like you called it, it, you guys had a good set of equipment and you may do with a lot of great practicals. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we we definitely did. I, I'm not sure the exact model of the zoom that uh, or the um, the drone that that Julie used, but it was awesome. Like I they, the, like I said earlier, my uh, favorite shots from the film are are the drone shots. Mm. Um, and then th- so there was that. There was a GoPro that was used in some of the um, the driving shots, and then the main camera used in the film was was a Panasonic AF100. Uh, we had a dolly, we had a crane. 20 foot dolly <laughs> with track uh, that you could ride. That was all handmade by Joe. Um, oh, wow. With, with wow. PVC pipe tracking. So we had our own, you know, that's all handmade. Um, and, you know, we would disassemble it, put it into the back of the car, drive down from Massachusetts to Connecticut <laughs> and vice versa and whatnot. So it was collapsible, you right. know. But again, something he made. Which was, you know, all that in and of itself, you know, impressive. He took some skateboard wheels and fashioned it so it would sit on the track accordingly. And you just glid, you know, you're gliding, which was, you know, fantastic. Uh, And the crane too, the crane shot in front of the donut shop. Um, A crane he had, he put some weights on it. That's dope. Yeah. (laughs) Post-production from when you guys yelled that last cut to when like film was done. How long was that process? Over a year. Wow. Oh, man. So we finished, yeah, we finished in this, we finished shooting in the summer of 2017, end of the summer. Um, The last cut of the film that we ended up uh, giving to Passion River to distribute, I think was given to them, uh, I want to say, April of this year. Um, wow. So, okay. Yeah. So Joe is a perfectionist. So 
and I am too. So we just kept going back and forth and changing stuff and changing stuff. Uh, and, and then showing it to like Johnny and, and Phil and Julie and uh, we'd get feedback on that and then go back and change more stuff. So it was just like by the time we finished the final edit, we both never wanted to see the film again. <laughs> tonight. So, sorry, sorry, put yeah. you through that again. <laughs> no, we were we were completely done with editing because we had just, you know, it just seemed like it would never end. So we finally got to the point where we were just like, okay, I think this is as good as we can possibly get this film to look. So let's just, you know, be done with it. So that's, that's what we did because it's just one of those things like, like as a creative person, you can just, there's, there can be no end to it. If you, if you don't let there be, you, you could just keep tweaking it forever and ever, but there, there's a diminishing uh, return on that. When I watched the first cut of the movie, uh, Joe was uh, about 70%, or when I was going to watch the first cut of the movie, Joe was 70% done with the color correction, and it was on one drive. He goes and plugs it in, and then the drive quits out on him. He had to start from scratch all over again from that point on. Bro, that is that is a nightmare for anybody. So, I mean, that yeah. tacks on time, too. My heart yeah. hurts just <laughs> hearing that. Oh, uh, he was <laughs> devastated that night. It was bad. And I, I think I misspoke. It's 2018 we, we did the filming, right? Was it? Yeah. Yeah, because I wrote it in 2017. We filmed it in 2018. We did the post-production in 2019, and we, we released it in 2020. So the, okay. the, the first meeting was in 2017. Yes. And I yeah, think yeah. that's why we kind of confuse that sometimes. Ah, okay. Yeah. yeah, because I remember coming back from – I did this, uh, this like, music tour – and I, I was with a bunch of uh, kids from, from School of Rock, the, the music school that I, that I run. And I, I remember like going on tour and then coming back from the tour and being like, these kids are really interesting. I feel like there's like cool characters I could make out of some of these kids if I incorporate some of their characteristics into a character. And I ended up naming the Judah character after one of these kids, one of these musicians. And that was the, the uh, in the summer of 2017. So that's when I when I came back from that tour, I wrote the script and then gave it to, to Johnny and, and the rest of the uh, production team. And then we we shot it in 2018. So what was all the work put into like scouting the locations? Like, did you already know what locations you were going to use, or did you have to go scout these locations? We we did a significant amount of scouting. Um, we we knew for sure uh, right off the bat that we were going to use all the locations that we could with without uh, regard to uh, scheduling or like money or anything like that. Being my house, Phil's house, uh, yeah, I guess that was pretty much it. And then we we reached out to um, you know we actually tried to find a graveyard to shoot. That there's the one scene where. Uh, Abby like rises up from uh, like a gravestone that's behind her and we originally really wanted to shoot that in an actual graveyard but we couldn't find a graveyard that would give us permission to shoot there so I ended up just like um, uh, buying like a this prop and, and having it made for the film and just shooting it in like a like a, a field basically where there's just that one gravestone um, but the the yeah, the biggest thing that the biggest hurdle, I guess, was getting the high school. Like we were really were kind of 
scared that we wouldn't get one. And if we didn't get a high school to film at, that really would have taken away from the story. Uh, so mm -hmm. thankfully, we, we ended up getting uh, Cranston High. And, uh, and that worked out really well. But the rest of, besides Cranston High, every, we didn't really pay for any other locations because it was my house and Phil's and, and Abby's father's uh, lawyer, uh, office. So <laughs> kind of worked out. And um, Jules, uh, the director of photography, Jules Martelli, she, um, she did a really good job of breaking down the script in every which format and uh, in terms of locations, uh, props that are needed for those scenes. Like, you know, when the first, you know, the last one of the, by the last meeting, I had a, like a folder, a binder with just everything, shots, everything broken up and detailed. So, you know, nobody was walking on set that day unprepared, right. you know, and she did a really great job of doing that. Yeah, she did. So my last question to round up this interview, this awesome interview, you guys did a great job with this movie. And um, again, with the budget that you guys worked with too, to get this out there. Um, I have to know, is this a one shot or is this the beginning of something bigger? Are we going to see novels, comics, or are we going to see a sequel? Yo, Johnny, um, Johnny called like comics and I'm here for it. Yep. I'll, I'll be here for it. Don't got to worry about a high school approval or a cemetery Max. or an MRI Max, machine or anything. You can just draw it in there and get it done. Well, um, yeah, I, I love to see the, the story progress because I, like, I, I did purposely leave it open-ended and, and kind of, you know, the, the villains have superhero qualities on purpose so that they can be fleshed out in, in future uh, tellings of the story in, in one way or another. So that was my intention going into it. And I would love to see that happen, whether it does or not. I don't know. So I think for my two cents is I think it depends upon the viewers and the fan base. If there's a demand for it, then, you know, I think we could probably put together something that would appease people going exactly. forward, you know? Yep. Totally agreed. Yep. But um, I thank you guys for coming on nerves, sharing yeah, us with man. vibrations yes. and everything. Um, <laughs> that was fun. Everyone will the film is Vibrations. It is on Amazon, Amazon Prime. Prime. Yep. Use that Amazon Prime membership. Check it out. Enjoy it. Let's get these guys a sequel. Let's get them comics. Let's get them everything. Thank you guys for coming again. Um, Sean, where can we find you? Uh, so it, it, we're on uh, Amazon. We're on Tubi also. Uh, the, the movie's on there. But uh, you can go to vibrationmovieofficial.com and reach us there as well. Nice. And Johnny, where are those digits where we could find you at, brother? Uh, you can get me on Instagram and Twitter at JohnnyC138 uh, or Facebook.com, your Johnny C. You can also find Surrounded by Death and The Pond and Sartana all on Global Comics. Uh, Kickstarter coming in January for Surrounded by Death. Ooh. Yes! All so right. we got to have That just means Johnny got to come back, so, back on the show. The coffee will flow freely in January. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's do it. Listen, again, I, I thank you guys for coming on. Again, thank you again for sharing this with us, Sean, Johnny. This has been your boy, Sebastian. It's your boy, Law. And your boy, Tone from across the hall. Stay nerdy, guys. Peace. Thank you, guys.